0: Deacon Caleb asked if I could preach this morning, and it's a a blessing and a privilege to do so. Before I begin the homily, I just want to express my gratitude for this great community and my my love for you. I have known Deacon Caleb for many years. We started theology studies in the seminary together at Mount Angel, and we both took a couple of years apart at slightly different times, but now we've ended up again in the same class, and so we'll be finishing up together. I'll be ordained on June 8th in Boise and Caleb the following Thursday here in Baker. So I'll have a week on him. So I'll always claim the older brother status. I'll say, you know, I have a lot more priestly experience than you do. John Paul, one time we were uh, playing, we were looking at, thank you. We were looking at, see how good of a friend he is. We were looking at a globe and I was showing him where I'd been born, which was in, uh, in the country of Brazil And I showed him where it was on the globe And I didn't think much of it But a few months later Liz sent me a picture of him And, and the kids playing the board game Risk And it turned out that John Paul Had put one of his pieces on Brazil Because he said Nelson had been born there So I just, I just really feel a lot of affection and, and I know the website says That this is the prettiest little church In, um, in eastern Oregon and, and I agree, not just the church building but, but the community So it's a privilege to be here And a blessing to be here The theme theme I want to focus on is the theme of patient suffering. We see that, of course, in Jesus, and we heard it in the collect. The collect is the prayer that the priest prayed, right? Usually it's the prayer at the end of the introductory rites, right before the readings. Today, as we came in, it was the the first prayer that the priest prayed here at the altar, right before we sat down. And that kind of usually gives a little summary of the Mass, or or it gives the the main theme. And that prayer went like this. Almighty ever-living God... Who, who, as an example of humility for the human race to follow, caused our Savior to take flesh and submit to the cross. So right away, saying that God has given us an example of humility for us to follow. This is is a, a, a key theme in Christianity, as we know. But then we asked for something. We asked, Graciously grant that we may heed his lesson of patient suffering. Christ's lesson of patient suffering. We've asked that we may heed that lesson for ourselves. Why would we want to do that? The prayer continues. To merit and so merit a share in His resurrection. So to share, to merit a share in the resurrection of Christ. That's the deepest desire that we have, the, deep, the deepest desire in our hearts, to share in the resurrection of Christ. Now we have other desires, we have bad desires that need to be purified, and we have good desires for things here on earth that are good, that can be helpful. But even those desires, if we become too attached to them, they can cloud our vision and they can distort the way we see God and the way that we see our brothers and sisters and the way that we see ourselves. So we want to push that out of the way. We want to ask God to move that out of the way so that we can focus, so that we can live out of our deepest desire, which is to share in the resurrection of Christ. In order to share in the resurrection of Christ, we We've asked for this prayer. We've asked, grant that we may heed his lesson of patient suffering. So that's how important patient suffering is. It leads us to the fulfillment of our deepest desire to share in the resurrection of Christ. Now, patient suffering, the term itself is a little redundant because the word patience just means suffering. If you think about how when we go to the hospital, when we're suffering, we're, we're, we're sick or injured, we go to the hospital because we're suffering in some way. What do they call us? They call us patients. That's why we're ones who are suffering. So we're in the hospital. But there's also another meaning to the word patience. It means the one who waits. So both of these things are tied up together in the word patience: To suffer and to wait. Think about it this way. We all suffer in our lives. We all know this. Whether or not to suffer is not really an option. And in Christianity, we talk about suffering in terms of the cross. So whether or not to have a cross is not really an option for us. There's a consequence of the fall. But where we do have an option is what we do about our crosses. What we do about our sufferings. And here we have at least three options. We We can choose... To become the victims. We can choose to play the part of the victims and see that the cross is unfair and unjust and to focus on this element and to live out of it. And sometimes our crosses are unfair, sometimes they are unjust. There's plenty of injustice in the world as we know. Sometimes they are unfair. But if we focus on in this part, if this is our approach to how we're going to carry our crosses, we know what happens here. We become bitter and we become resentful And we really crumble under under its weight, under the weight of the cross. So this isn't a good approach of what to do about our crosses. Another approach is we can try to eliminate the cross. Now, sometimes we can mitigate, and there's good ways, and there there are appropriate ways of mitigating our suffering, medicine and good relationships, etc. Or if we have bad habits, trying to remove those bad habits from our lives. This has been a, a really painful process of seminary formation, has been recognizing my own imperfections, my own impurities, and my own uh, broken ways of relating to others. And then having God go in there as a surgeon and remove those. And that's painful, but that's to mitigate, to mitigate suffering, to better unite myself to Christ. So we all have to do that. That's part of the Christian life. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the attempt to eliminate it. To say, I'm going to no longer suffering. I'm going to do what I need to do in order to no longer suffer. What happens when we try to take this path? We become discouraged again and again and again. Because we know that we can't eliminate the cross. Even if we succeed temporarily, the next cross is right around the corner. So this is not a good approach either. But then we have the approach of Christ. The approach of Christ. The lesson that he teaches us, as we've asked. That we may heed his lesson of patient suffering. How does Christ... Handle his cross. What does he do about his cross? He bears it patiently. He carries his cross up the mountain. He allows himself to be crucified on it. He allows himself to die to then be raised up again and share the glory of the Father. That is Christ's invitation to us to bear our crosses, to bear them patiently, to carry them up the mountain, to not try to eliminate them, to not play the role of the victim, but rather to unite ourselves to him, so that we too, after our death, not only our death at the end of our lives, but our deaths as we go through life, as we die to self, after our deaths, we share in the resurrection of Christ. And we share in the glory of the Father. This is what patient suffering is. We can think about it just in this way. It's to suffer well. We can choose to suffer well. We can't choose not to suffer. That's not an option. But we can choose to suffer well. Or we can choose to suffer poorly. That's our choice. That's our option. And this is the path to heaven. Now, there are many examples of this, not only in Christ, but throughout our lives. We know that the horrendous suffering that Deacon Caleb had to go through over the last few years, and now he's experiencing, in a sense, a resurrection of being united to Christ in ordination. I know there are many members in the community that are are experiencing a lot of suffering through cancer and other illnesses. We know that this is happening around us. It's been happening our whole lives and it will continue to happen. And the good news here is that we don't have to do it alone because the, the events that we just read weren't just an event that happened in history 2,000 years ago. That's not what Christianity is. It's not just something that happened a long time ago and we now get together and remember it again and again and again. That's not it. Remember, God is outside of time. Sure, this happened in history 2,000 years ago, undoubtedly. But in the mystery of the liturgy, God is making all of this present to us again and again and again. And not just when we go into Palm Sunday and then we go into Holy Week, although it's really focused during this week, it's a really special way, the church really highlights it. But every Sunday, every Mass is a mini Easter, is a mini passion, is a mini death and resurrection. God gets represented, not, not in, a, in an artificial way, and not in a duplicating way. It's not something that's duplicated. It's the same death on the cross, but it's presented to us again and again and again and again. And why is this important? Because this is our entry into it. This is our gateway. The altar is also a gate. We now get to enter into the cross of Christ, into the paschal mystery, into his death and resurrection. And we literally receive it into our bodies. We receive Jesus' glorified body here in the Eucharist into our bodies. And this is what gives us the grace. This is what animates us, what empowers us to then carry our crosses. So when things start to get really difficult, when the cross just starts to seem too heavy and we start to crumble under its weight, this is a reminder for us to unite ourselves ever more tightly, ever more closely to Jesus himself, especially in the liturgy. To come to Jesus on the altar with all of our crosses and bring them to him so that he may redeem them for us and he may bring us into the Father. Now I know I've already been going for a while and the gospel reading was really long. But I just want to make one, one more point. This is something that has really struck me recently from the men's conference in Idaho that a few of you went to. Monsignor Shea gave this, um, this tremendous talk. And he talked about what to do about the problems in the church. Because our sufferings aren't just related to our illnesses and diseases and so forth. We can also become really discouraged by things that happen in the church, by representatives of Christ that are persuaded by corruption or greed or lust or other things. And now there's corruption in the church, there are problems in the church, and these problems trickle down to us. So what do we do about this? Monsignor Shea, and if you have a chance to watch, to watch this talk in full, I highly recommend it. I'll just give one little snippet from what he said. He emphasized how the way by which Christ redeemed us was by taking on all of the illnesses of His time, all of the sins of His time, into His body. And there's that that mysterious line in St. Paul where he says, Christ became sin. So Christ became sin. He never sinned, but He became sin. Not... It's a mystery. I don't really know what that means. But Monsignor Shea is explaining it in this way. He took all onto himself, all of the sins and all of the illnesses of his time into his body. And then he became sick and died. Then he resurrected. Okay, we just heard that replayed here, recounted here in the gospel. But here's Monsignor Shea's next point. The church is the mystical body of Christ. We are the mystical body of Christ. And the way by which that resurrection and that redemption of Christ gets promulgated or gets extended through space and time is precisely through the church, the mystical body of Christ. So the way by which redemption comes about is by the church taking on the sins and the illnesses of its time and its place again, and again, and again, and again. And in a sense, dying, and then resurrecting. His point is, the church is not immune to the problems in the world. If we have this understanding of the church, and he, he says it like this, if we have this understanding of the church where here's the world and it's fallen, and the church flo- floats above it, immune from the problems in the world, we have a wrong understanding of the church. The church is the mystical body of Christ, it's in the world, And it's redeeming the world by taking on all of the illnesses and the sins of the world onto itself. And then dying and and resurrecting. The importance for that is that we don't need to become discouraged by what happens in the church or what happens in the world. When we start to become discouraged, that's a sign that we've taken our eyes off of Christ. Specifically, we've taken our eyes off of the crucified Christ, who is here once again redeeming us, redeeming the church, and redeeming us individually. So we can just turn back to him again and allow that work of resurrection to continue. So I hope that's encouraging. I hope that's helpful. I know that was a lot, and we've been here already for a long time. So my last encouragement is just as we turn towards the Eucharist, we really just bring all of our crosses to Christ, all of our sufferings, all of our illnesses. We bring that to him, and and. Present them to the priest, to the altar symbolically, so that the priest may unite them to the sacrifice of Christ, redeeming us and showing us the path to heaven. This path that is based on, built on, this lesson of patient suffering.